Broadcasting since 1994, you are listening to KPSU Portland's College Radio, streaming worldwide 24-7 at kpsu.org. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent KPSU, the future Milo, Portland State University, or any of our participating affiliates. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Do I, are you hearing me in your headset? I hear you loud right. and clear. I'm not hearing myself, but hello, people. Welcome, everybody. Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome. I can't find the song. You just saw me organize this right now, but I can't find it. Welcome to episode 66 of Ear Ape with Milo Loza. And Juan Denmark. Welcome back. Welcome back to Ear Ape with Milo Loza. This is the show. I can't hear myself. That's not pleasant, but hello. Welcome back to Ear Ape with Milo Loza. This is episode 66. Today is January 21st, 2023. We're in the future right now, Milo. Well, we're in the past to everyone listening, actually. Wow. You missed out. (laughs) Or anyone live. You're only five seconds in the past, I think. There's like a 20 second delay, maybe. Hello, we have a guest here today, the first comedian of 2023 on Ear Ape with Milo Loza. This is Juan Denmark. I'm so very thankful for this opportunity, Milo. Thank you, man. You're really cool. Absolutely. You're really cool. Thank you. I'd just like to say Juan Denmark might be my favorite comedian in Portland, Oregon. Wow, that's scary that you just told me that on on radio right now. I mean, like, I, I truly... Because I I talk about, I mean, I don't know if you've explored this show at all, but this is just a little show of me talking about my week every week with with an emphasis on comedy, like me pursuing stand-up comedy. Yeah. And each week I, I, I come back and I report... Like, here's what I've learned this week. You weekend, tell the people how treacherous it is <laughs> out there. Absolutely. It's, it's a lot of hours of boring crap, but there's some. I like to think there's some nuggets in there for someone starting comedy. Yeah, if you ear hustle long enough, you'll catch a gem. A gem? A gem. A gem. Uh, a very quality piece of art that is received verbally. I'm not as prepared as I thought. What I was, what I was getting to <laughs> was um, you... I talk about you a little bit on the show, quite nice. a piece. Wow, like, you're putting good energy in the universe. Like I, I just because, like I said, I, I talk about what I've learned in comedy. I feel like you're someone that I learn a lot from. Ooh, what do you learn watching. from me? What do you learn from me from from watching me do comedy? This is like a we're gonna like interview each other a little bit. I, I don't know what I learned. I, I like it's it's, I learn crowd work a little bit obviously i don't you've seen me i'll tell you what i learned from you i'll tell you what i learned from you first and like give me some time yeah 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 you're one of my faves dude i think about you a lot like in this comedic spectrum wow yeah you have a nice name that's the start off like you i I don't even think you should get into this business if you don't think your name should be called out loud in front of a large group of people and i think milo loza is one of those names that kind of imprints itself on the brain um, outside of your name, you're a cool dude. But then when we get on stage, that's where the presence felt. Your setup and deliveries on your punchlines and one-liners is like one of the pieces of comedy I haven't mastered at all. And I am jealous when I watch you perform sometimes. I'm like, this guy 
has figured out a, a facet of comedy that I'm not good at. Wow. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually, I actually get, because, uh, like, as soon as you get on stage, it's the demeanor, it's, it's the... It's the stature and it's the way that you deliver the joke. It feels it feels innocent at first, and then like when you when you lead them down the road to the punchline, it gets them every time. And like jokes I've heard you say multiple times still make me laugh. That's how I know it's a good joke. I'm like, I already know what he's gonna say, and I still laugh. And that that that's how I know that you've gotten like a real a real knack for knack for comedy. Holy crap, Juan Denmark. Yeah, 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 dude. That's incredible. I, Juan, I didn't even write this down. I just am thinking of this as I'm here. I wish I wrote something down because I, I, I thought I thought way more of you, but I can't put to words what the heck I think of you. You, <laughs> you have, like, this incredible presence on stage. Thank you. This incredible comfortability since, since I first saw you on stage. I think it's my ability to accept my fate in, in death. I think, I think I've seen, I've been faced with life or death situations and now I kind of look at comedy in the same sense. Like, oh, when I get on stage, this is like kind of a death, like almost like an ego death of sorts, you know? And I just, I just, the first time I got on stage, I never, I never quivered. Like I just got on stage and was on Helium's Portland, Portland's Funniest. That was my first time ever doing comedy and Mm -hmm. biggest stage, packed house, no material, and I just get on stage and I'm like, I, I want to feel the most pressure I could ever feel from comedy. And I think that just set me up for at least more comfortability when doing comedy. So I think that's where it comes from is just like, and then, you know, my past experiences in life, of course. Do you think it was wise to, to begin at Portland's Funniest Competition? Absolutely. Really? I, I, I think it was wise for me. I don't think that, I think the way that my comedy is set up in in the way portland is set up it may have not been necessarily wise like in the in the grand scheme of trying to uh, appease everyone but in my own personal journey it was beautiful because my first time ever getting um ever doing comedy is recorded on high quality film and it's on my youtube so like i'll be 85 and be able to see good quality video on my first time ever doing comedy like most people can't say that that's amazing yeah <laughs> like did you i mean it sucked if that's what you're asking it was terrible but i but the vulnerability because i watched that video sometimes i even watched it with a good friend of mine Ooh, it was so cringy i've never watched that video with another person um, but i did and i was like wow that is uh i, I remember those vulnerable moments and how because like you go into comedy sometimes trying to make people laugh like you know mm-hmm. but I like dropped that. Like I think the first two to three minutes I tried to make people laugh. And then once I just let go of that, that's when I was funny. And and I can see it in the comedy. Like I can see it. I can see me trying to make people laugh. And then I can see where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to actually be myself on stage. And then that's when I started getting the real laugh. And then that that's what made me think, oh, I can continue to keep doing this. Like this is a cool thing to do, you know? What do you mean by that when you say uh, the first three minutes or so you you you're trying to be funny and then the last like one two minutes or whatever you're you're just trying to be yourself? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, so I went on stage with absolutely no material. I got drunk in in the green room before we got on stage. The first the first, first ever time I was like I'm gonna get smashed. I I actually I walked in. 
I walked in and it was all these comedians standing around, like reading over their material, nervous in a panic. And I come in with the weirdest looking outfit I could have conjured up in my in my arsenal. And uh, a comedian, uh, Robbie Sherman, I have to give him credit because he's the first comedian that welcomed me with open arms. He saw me and he was like, uh, he was like, yo, are you you're Juan, right? And I was like, yeah, he's like, uh, you know, have you ever done comedy before? And I was like, no, I've never done comedy before. He was like, okay, this is crazy. He was like, what's your, you got material? I was like, I have absolutely no material. He was like, you are the coolest person that I know. That's you know? <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was the first entry to comedy. And, uh, so I just proceeded to get a little tipsy and then, um, yeah, I just got on stage and, and yeah, the first three minutes, I kind—I didn't go in there with any material. I, I kind of had a, a a premise that I went in there with. I was like, if if I say nothing on stage, I I just want one of my premises to be that the N word should be universal. It shouldn't just be classified to one group of people. That was the only thing that I walked on stage, like I'm gonna say this in some way. Holy I said, crap. yeah, I said that it was it didn't go over the best because it's portland and they're they're afraid to be themselves how soon did you get to that like did you did you immediately say the joke and then like try to build off of it or did you try to work your way up to the joke if that makes like take a minute of stuff and then say the thing you you the twist or whatever you planned on i can almost verbatim remember exactly what i said because i watched that video so many times but I got on stage and I, because um, my girlfriend, I had a girlfriend for, for almost 11, almost a year. And she broke up with me three days before I did this 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 escapade. Like three days, like a girl I was really feeling. Like we had done stuff, a lot of stuff together. And three days before this competition, she breaks up with me. Okay. The night before the competition, she contacts me to hang out. So we hang out and stay up all night. And then I have to get up early and go to work. And I'm like, I'm tired as heck. But I still have to do this competition. So I was like, just running rampant. So the first thing I thought of when I got on stage was, my girl just broke up with me. You know, and of course I get the sympathy laughs. You know, I'm, I'm like crowd working a little bit. Like the first thing I do is crowd work. It's crazy. How? I get, because a, a girl got, uh, a girl all you know she like gave me that sympathy all that sometimes fans do when they're in the crowd like oh and i'm like um i appreciate the sympathy but are you gonna give me um sexual favors instead of the sympathy is is what i would prefer i didn't say it that politely we're just on sure. the radio you're so quick with those two by the way i i've seen i see you all the time when someone says like a little one word thing in the audience you just instantly like have something it's, it's not always like like that was that was something something i think but like usually like you have i don't know some response that you don't miss that beat it's like a comedic yeah. beat and if yeah. you miss it you're screwed and you don't miss it the comedic beat wow i don't like there's, there's, I don't more, think... there's multiple beats that you can hit but you you always like hit that that specific one i feel i'm so glad you brought comedic beat up because i used to freestyle a lot I, when i was four years old my cousin um, he was about nine years older than me. He would, he loved rap. He was he was a really good rapper, but he ended up going to jail all of his life. From 13 to 33, he's been in and out of jail. Like, he's never missed a beat. So when we were younger, he came to live with us when I lived in Hawaii. And so he brought all of his, you know, his his lifestyle to Hawaii still. And what he would do was, I was like four or five. He would, he would, he had a stereo system that recorded 
and he knew like I was a little nervous kid. So what we would do was he'd go in the bedroom and rap into the stereo recording and then play the, you know, play it for me. And then I'd go in the bedroom by myself and rap in the stereo recording. So like from a young age, I've always like been a freestyler, just like came up with things on my, off the top of my head. So as I got into comedy, I kind of taken that freestyle mentality and put it into comedy. And it is a comedic beat. I, I never talked to anyone about that. Like every time I talk to someone about like a comedic flow, it's never it's never in rap format like a beat, but it is a beat. It is exactly a beat. You can I, even ride it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think of comedy as rhythm every pretty much whole constantly. Yeah, that's the way I always talk about it. I, I almost think comedy comedy is so rhythmic that that you should write it on a music sheet almost. Honestly, you but you but you have to know what's gonna hit though because yeah. that's where that's where the beat gets. That's where it starts to get changed up and, and they might change the whole beat. Like you might say a, a rhyme and then the whole beat stops and now a new song plays because mm. you just destroyed that whole song and now you have to start all over again on a new song. So I was in uh, Redmond last week. and Where is Redmond? Um, Central Oregon, probably about 20 minutes outside of Bend. And we, okay. I, me and Lucas performed for over 190 people. The show? Yeah, it was an open mic technically, but it was 190 people open mic all the way to the back. The radio, the radio, um, not the radio, but the microphone projected all the way to the back perfectly, but you still have to wait for that pause and laughter. So I just remember um, watching my, my tape on it and seeing the beat I was writing, like it was catching perfectly. Cause it's like when there's that many people in the room, you tell a joke, people laugh, and then you're like, as, as they're all catching on to the laugh, you're already thinking about the next funny thing. And then as soon as they stop laughing, you finally like conjured it up perfectly and then you deliver another funny thing and it's, it's like a rhythm, it's literally like a wave. And then they catch it again and then as soon as they, you just keep running it. And that's what I was in, I was like in a, I was like in a flow of just, of just com, com comedy, honestly, it was beautiful. It was that, beautiful watching it. That is amazing, I've never, I've, I don't think I've hit that flow but you have more of a free uh, uh, format. Yeah, but you kind of control the beat. Like, you make your own beat every time that you deliver a joke. It's like you're, it's like you're making different songs within your set. Like, you have, the, you have one joke, and you, you prepare it, and it's like the beat starts. And now you're, you're going through it, and then you get to the punchline, and then everyone's laughing. And then you let the song end, and then you start a new song, which is just as cool. It's just a different, it's just a different way to make music. But God damn, Juan Denmark. You, <laughs> I knew you were going to have some great crap to say. We've hardly gotten, I didn't even ask you any of the questions oh, on yeah. my list so far. We're, we're 15 minutes in. We're vibing. Also, by the way, this is going to be a two-hour episode. Let's do it. The Let's first two-hour interview I'm, I'm ever doing, Let's and do I was it. confident that you were going to fill it. And in in, I'm a little worried we're not going to get to the questions I want to ask you. <laughs> You're like, man, two hours just isn't enough, man. Also, another side thing, this episode might not be recording. So if you're listening to this live, this might be like the only the only time you ever hear this. Wow. I, I'm, I have something in the background, like trying to record it, but in case that fails, we're screwed. This is beautiful art. I mean, art is meant to be here and then to disappear into the abyss. And the energy from the art hopefully inspires another artist to make even better art. So enjoy it while you got it. It really sucks that this episode might not save when you say some crap like that. <laughs> yeah, all right. it's all philosophy here, buddy. Did you say that you were in Hawaii? Yeah, yeah, I lived in Hawaii for... 
three, three and a half years. Three what and a half three years. years? I thought you're from Virginia. I mean, I guess that. Yeah, I'm all the, over the place, yeah. buddy. Um, Tell me about it. I was born in Germany. Both my parents were in the military in 1993. I know that's kind of old for you youngins out there that are listening. But yeah, 1993, I was born in Berlin, Germany. And then I want to say I lived there for under a year, maybe 11 months. And then we moved to New Jersey. I think we lived in New Jersey for about a year and a half to two years. And then I moved to Alexandria, Virginia. We we lived there for about two and a half years. Then I moved to Hawaii. And I lived in Hawaii for about three and a half years. And then from Hawaii, I moved to Georgia for four years, roughly. And then from Georgia, I moved to Virginia for four years, roughly. And then from Virginia, I moved to Savannah for four years, Savannah, Georgia. And then from Savannah, Georgia, I moved to Washington State, Tacoma, for four years. And then from Tacoma, Washington, I moved to Portland, Oregon, and I've been here for three years. Is there, is it all different reasons, or is it one main reason making you travel all um, Uncle Sam forced my hand in every move I've done except for Portland. I chose I chose to move to Portland. That was the only, like, self-made decision move in as, my life. As in uh, the military? Yeah, the military. So the military influenced my moves up until I graduated high school for my parents. And then for me, I joined the military at 18. So then I was moving around on my own for the military uh, from 18 to 27. Yeah. Uh, did you like the military? Do you, do you, are you glad you did it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I gained a lot of sense of uh, self-worth in the military personally. I, I set a lot of goals in the military to kind of push myself outside of my limits. I think I grew up really, really cushioned because both my parents had a good job and they, they loved me. That's more than a lot of kids can say. So I think I took that for granted as far as my ambition is concerned. Hmm. So I lacked when it came to personal accountability. And the military helped me regain my own personal accountability and attain things on my own with hard work and repetition. That's what I learned from the military. It's like, oh, I'm like talented and I have work ethic. Like, I have both of those things. I used to just think I was talented with no work ethic, but the military showed me that if I really want something, I can actually attain it. That's really interesting. I, yeah. My friends, they're in, the, in, in Japan right now. Um, what are they, the Navy? Navy, yeah. Yep, yep. I got some friends out in Japan right now in the Navy too, man. At first, were you, were you not into it? Were you regretting it and then sort of kind of converted into it? Yeah, I hated the military... I hated my involvement in the military for the first four years, and then I loved it for two years, and then I didn't like it again for the next two years. So I loved the military. I loved being in the military for two years out of the eight that I was doing full-time. Yeah. Okay. I loved the military. I loved being in the military for two years out of the eight that I was doing full-time. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um... I want to go back to your first open mic. Let's do it. Uh, how Portland's did you, Funniest, 2021. You kind of talked about it a little bit, but how did you construct that first set? So the first set was tequila-based, and I had one line, that one premise. That was it, the N-word premise. That was it. Everything, like else, everything else was just off the cuff in, in my heart. Did, 
did you decide before signing up or you're like, I'm going to sign up. I'll figure it out. before. I... Oh, you know what? I'll, oh, that's even better. How did I even know there was a Portland's Funniest? That's that's a that's a good question. My love. I didn't ask that, but yeah, go ahead. You kind of asked it. <laughs> so I, I went to a couple comedy shows at Helium. I saw Andrew Schultz. He packed out Helium. I even I even yelled at him and he and he like responded to me. That was the first time he did crowd work. He's actually done crowd work to me twice. Wow. Yeah, he's 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 pointed me out in the crowd two times, different different places. Um, I saw Andrew Schultz and I saw a guy by the name of Earthquake. Those are the two comedians I saw at Helium. So because I had put my information in the Helium, they emailed me about Portland's funniest. So that's when I, I had always thought about comedy because I did karaoke all the time. Mm-hmm. I used to hit karaoke like I hit open mics. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. And also context about Helium Open Mic. That's like that's like the Portland comedian. <laughs> yeah. And also context about crap for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Portland's funniest for Portland comedians is the Super Bowl. It's, it's very it's, important. It's it's everything. The only reason most of the comedians are going to these open mics every day is so that they can build up the perfect 5-minute set to go up to Helium and lose to a dude who brought his whole family. Yeah, because the way you vote is... that To go up to Helium. The system at Portland's Funniest is, for the first two rounds, is bring as many people as possible and have them vote you number one on the list. Whoever has the most number one votes wins. It's not based on two rounds, is bring as many people as possible. Any person may not win if they only brought one. Whoever has the most crowd. Yes, but... Capitalism. But, but... Even with that, the show is still very important to the community, and like, uh, it's it's almost like the open mics. I mean, I assume every open mic around the country and whatever they have competitions that they're striving to mm-hmm. to build their set for and get that credit. That way, they could move on to mm-hmm. bigger, better things. I think I want to say most of uh, most of the states have have a funniest competition. Um, because I've I've like signed into a lot of people like a lot of Facebook pages for comedy around the state, uh, the, the country, and I've seen like Florida's funniest. I've seen like random states have their funniest competition, mm-hmm. but yeah, Portland's funniest. I mean, we have like five or something, right? Yeah, I don't I don't know what they are, but yeah, um, they're even doing a Vancouver's funniest now. So I mean, they have yeah. they have Portland's funniest is a humongous deal. The the fans will be there. The the crowd is packed. You get great quality film. Mm-hmm. I mean, the film is the most important thing because you can take that and use that to do festivals and travel the country with that. So people take Portland's Funniest extremely serious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Juan Denmark, what was the first thing you wanted to be when you grew up? The first thing I wanted to be when I grew up was that I can remember was a football player. I would like to I would like to say it's a football player. It's between football player and rapper, you know, typical thing cuz I now that I'm thinking about my cousin making me rap, I I wonder if that influenced me heavily enough to actually want to be a rapper. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's either a football player or a rapper. So those are the two those are the two things that I really really put my mind to when I was young, young. Did it ever morph into something Oh yeah, when I went to high school, the hits started getting harder. And I moved over to basketball. I was like, okay, I can do basketball. Let's see if I let's see if I can play basketball. So I, I always had an affinity for basketball. And um, high school is where I really 
was like, okay, I'm going to take basketball a little bit more serious. And so I played basketball all four years of high school. I played, I played football my first year in high school and then basketball my all four years. Every year I was in high school, I played basketball. And when did it, is now your goal comedy or is? Yeah. Yeah. So right. I have a, I have a, I have a multifaceted goal, um, vision board right now. So, um, actual physical board kind of i do have a goal sheet that i have on my wall mm -hmm. so i mean comedy absolutely i want to be a, a a mental health clinician i want to get my phd in psychology and be a clinician um and give people therapy and stuff like that that's 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 yeah that's well whatever one gets the job done okay. <laughs> so comedy physical therapy um i mean mental therapy and then I also do YouTube where I interview people. So I love interviewing people as well. Mm -hmm. I would like to think I'm a better interviewer than than a comedian. I, I personally feel, but I'm, mm -hmm. I am starting to get better at comedy now. So I kind of got to put respect in both lanes. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty good at interviewing people. I have seen a couple of your interviews yeah. on YouTube. You have a YouTube channel. I believe it's called Juan Denmark. Yeah, I keep everything really simple in my life. My Instagram is Juan Denmark. My YouTube is Juan Denmark. My TikTok is Juan Denmark. Everything is Juan Denmark. I, mean, I think everyone would want, everyone would have their things simple if, uh, if they had such a strong name. Yeah, Milo Loza. Exactly. I do get some of my usernames. Yeah. It sucks being like, I don't know, John Doe. Uh, yeah. There is no John Doe. Is there any guy named John Doe? There probably is for the, ir the irony purposes. There's probably some guy in middle of Oregon who like decided to name his kid John Doe because he just thought that'd be really funny and ironic. Mm -hmm. There's there's weird communities out there. Uh, where where did where did your desire to 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 pursue comedy begin? Hmm. Yeah, karaoke. I was really? doing karaoke. <laughs> seriously, I think yeah, I think we kind of missed the karaoke thing, but okay. I would hit karaoke like open mic, seriously, and I started to realize that I had I was starting to gain like an actual stage presence. Like I would I would I would I would survey the stage giving every, you know, really doing it, really selling the crowd with, with this with this karaoke no, routine. Because I see you survey the stage now yeah. doing comedy. And, That's and all from karaoke. Yeah, you kind of look out and, like, then you start telling jokes, but it's funny to imagine you looking out all serious Singing, like yeah. And, yeah, then starting to sing. <laughs> yeah, I took karaoke serious. I had, like, song catalogs. Sometimes I would get on stage, and this goes back to freestyling. I'd get on stage, I'd figure out a song that had a really good beat, I didn't know all the words to it, but I'd tell the karaoke person put that song on, and I would freestyle. I'd freestyle a whole song. And people, because in karaoke, people would look up at the screen. They wouldn't even really look at the performer because they don't really care about the performer. Yeah. But when you freestyle, it forces the people to stop looking at the words because you're not saying them. And they just start looking at you, and now you're actually performing. Yeah. And so I started doing that all the time. Holy crap. Yeah, I was really taking karaoke. That's serious. really cool. Yeah. And so That's not karaoke. I know. I was like, I can't I can't get famous doing karaoke. So I was like, all right. Yeah. This has to stop at some point. Uh -huh. Like everyone started to know my name when I was going to the karaoke spot. They're like, "Oh man, what's up?" I don't even have to sign up anymore. Like the dude would see me and just sign my name up already. Uh -huh. Um he still kind of does that crap. now. Yeah. yeah. I haven't done karaoke in a while, but he'll still do that. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started to get really comfortable on stage. 
and I always knew I was a good conversationalist because I'd already started my YouTube channel and was already interviewing people before I ever did comedy. And I would do freestyle interviews. Like, I, I had a, me and my girlfriend at the time, before she broke up with me, we had a really, like, weird dispute, and we kind of broke up for, like, half a day. And so I got this bright idea. I was like, okay, now that we're back together, I'm going to bring the camera and the mic over and I'm going to have you interview me. Like, so she sat behind the camera, no pressure on her. I sat in front of the camera and she asked me whatever questions she wanted to ask me. So she asked me all these relationship questions that like, so that, that was the girl that you were hanging out with. And I was like, just keeping it real. And I was like, you ask me whatever you want. I'll answer your, all your questions, completely honest on video. Yeah. So holy crap. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. It's still wait, on YouTube. This, this, Sometimes I watch this is that. On YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I, it was a different title, but because it was so gold, I like went back and changed the title to like Juan gets grilled by his girlfriend at the time. Like, <laughs> sure. cause I'm like, this is gold. Like yeah. someone needs to watch this. No, that, that is, that's a, that's a piece of art. It, it is like, art. That, that is certainly art. It's absolutely art. It's beautiful. I want to go, I want to go look at that. <laughs> yeah. So at it's Juan's funny. YouTube page at Juan Denmark. Yeah. On YouTube. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. I love that. So I started to do these improv. It was like improvness. Like I was getting really comfortable with improv, whether it was in comedy, whether it was in interviews. I was some, like, when I was single, I would just go on a bunch of dates and just learn how to talk to women just to kind of have that muscle. So I was like, I'm funny. Like, I always thought I was really funny, but not like in a weird, I, I was never the class clown per se, but I always had like a really dark sense of humor that was really edgy, but still had a, a, a solid level of articulation. So I was like, okay, I could like be funny on stage. I didn't really grow up watching too many comedians just a few the greats honestly i didn't grow up knowing like obscure comedians who you know had a smaller following i only knew the biggest comedians mm -hmm. and so yeah like that just inspired me and then that email came at the perfect time uh portland's funniest email came at the perfect time and i, I told my girl i was like yo i think I, it's only tw it was only 25 dollars to get and i was like oh that's it i was like all right let's do it mm -hmm. you know so i put the money up and forgot about it <laughs> and then uh, why why not i mean certainly you had time to go to a local open mic and, mm -hmm. and try it first why why not i i wanted because because i don't i respect art even though i didn't look at com comedy as as much as art as i do right now I, I still looked at it as like a very high degree of difficulty sport and so i told myself i'm gonna do the biggest stage that I can think of and I'm not going to have any material prepared and if I'm actually legitimately funny I'll continue to do comedy but if I'm not good I'm never going to do comedy again because I'm not going to waste my time being nervous and, and anxiety written oh, wow. just to just to not be funny mm -hmm. I'm going to actually do this if I feel there's legitimate potential in this so um, that's that was the reason why I chose the biggest stage I could think of yeah that's really yeah. interesting because I, I've, I've just, not much anymore, but I used to go up on Dante sometimes just with no material, yeah. just be like, can I be funny? The answer is no, I can't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I wasn't funny. Like, yeah. you watch it back, I wasn't funny. I mean, to me, I was funny just because I was funny once I stopped trying to be funny. Like, once I was like, because hmm. I even did crowd work. I think at one point on my Portland's, the first, the first experience, I like... I, w I just 
randomly was like, what do you guys think about when you see me? Like, I was just like, and then I literally pointed at a dude and I was like, what do you think about? Like, what, when you look at me, what do you think? And he was like, I'm confused. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I'm confused too. <laughs> and it was like, it was just so real and normal. It was like just two people going through this experience together. One dude being like, what the heck is going on? And one dude being like, what the heck is going on? And it was just like, I was like, oh, that's why I'm meant to be here. It's just that, that part of comedy I love. And how have you evolved since then to now? Man, yeah, I still, I still love to riff. I, I don't think I'll ever not love riffing a little bit. I've never done a, the same set. I've never duplicated a set verbatim ever since I've done comedy. Like, I've, I've done the same jokes, but I've always, like, everything has looked different in some facet. There's always a new DNA strand in every single joke. I, I do always try to watch you perform when I see you at an open mic, as mm -hmm. the, the same open mic as me, and I do... Yeah, I never see you perform the same crap. I was gonna ask you like how how what? Yeah, it's riffing man. So the first the first year I just thugged it was I just riffed and riffed and riffed and what I did was I recorded all of my riffs and I have to give credit to Eastside Bar and Grill now Miss Misfits Bar because It changed it. It it inspired It really showed me that I have real talent that that place where I was when I was doing comedy there and the video what I would receive back when I watched those videos I was like whoa like I'm good like there's people who are good but then like there's a there's a, a there's a different level of good that I can see in myself like can I maintain this every day no but I see sparks of like actual like legitimate talent that that if I just hone in on it correctly and do this like every night i'm that's legit you know so that's that bar really gave me the freedom to do that i think just the energy that the host uh hijinks and uh dj wildchild i think i think their energy be behind the mic inspired me to to do material that that just really opened me up comedically and, and, and showed me i could be someone like i was going through old videos and i ran into the the video that you posted about me yesterday mm. i just was like wow i can't believe like that was a riff Th that whole that whole thing i did was a riff off yeah. of real life like the husband dick yes yeah, someone texted me that day and told me they had an std mm -hmm. that day like the girl who watched that video and got mad at me and stopped talking to me. i haven't talked to her since i posted that video <laughs> Uh, that was I probably made that yeah yeah she was serious Wait, didn't you just post that like the other day I posted that like a clip of it but I posted the whole thing maybe like six seven months ago yeah okay. and the girl actually watched all of it because that was like three minutes in when I started talking about her so I was like I must be good because she she watched it all the way yeah. to there so um but yeah we haven't that, talked wait, since yeah that sounded I, when I I heard I listened to it a couple times because like this is so good and I even looked up the term husband dick Mm -hmm. And on Urban Dictionary, it, it doesn't say what you said it was. It says, wow. it says like, husband dick is that, that dick that you could just get every day for the rest of your life. But what you said, do you want to repeat it? Would you? It, it was it, such a riff. It was it was a riff. I, I mean. Because it's like a literally a. I'm trying to remember. It's a solid I, joke. I, I know. You have I'm, to repeat it. I know. I'm like. because right That's now. why. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. You said, you said, uh, when you have, I might even just play it. No. Okay. You say when you, um. <laughs> We, uh, it's like it's like when you have sex with a girl 
she'll like kick you out in the morning because oh, she'll be like, ah, this stick is trash. I, I, I oh and, man, I love that joke. Like I have, like I'm trying to remember it. I even watch it sometimes, like, because I'm like, I need to reiterate this again because this yeah. is good stuff, man. You say, you say, um, do you mind if I, if I yeah, say yeah, it? go for it. You say like, um, if she, she'll kick you, you pointed out someone in the audience specifically, and you did it quick too. They said like, well, a she said something. yeah, and I was like, yeah, man. instantly you're like. Mm. Yeah, you do that. Yeah, uh, you kick them out early in the morning or whatever. Like you, you probably do that when the dick is trash or whatever. Because you gotta kick them out if the dick is trash, and if the dick is too good, gotta kick, kick them out too. Because who are you giving that dick to? God, <laughs> that's why. That's why you have to have sex with a girl with medium dick. <laughs> that's what I. You said that's what I learned recently. It's called husband dick. Oh. It's not too good, not too bad. It's just consistent dick. Damn. That's. Damn. You that makes me excited. Yeah, that's all freestyle, dude. Every bit of that was freestyle. Like, none of that was written down in a notepad or nothing. And that's why I looked it up, too, because it sounded like something you heard earlier in the day and you just kind of repeated me, it. I think a girl told me husband dick somewhere, but, like, but she original. just said it to me. But, yeah. like, oh, husband dick is, you don't, you know, she just said it, like, just explaining, oh, husband dick is, like, cool. But that whole bit was like, five, like, because I put the whole video on YouTube. It's like seven minute clip. It's like five minutes of absolute riff, like one hundred percent riff from the start of the video to five minutes in, all riff. And that's Eastside Bar and Grill. And I was like, that's what I was saying. Like when I saw that I could do that, I was like, whoa, this is like. Like, I have to be objective here. This is really good. Yes. Like, objectively speaking, I was like, whoa. So I was like, okay, I can't stop comedy if I can do this type of stuff on stage. So, man, yeah, that got me excited, you, like, telling me that. Because I, I really need to remember that joke. You got me excited saying that that's not yeah. written. Yeah, no, not at all. That's yeah. incredible. It, it really is amazing how often I hear you say such, <laughs> dare I say, brilliant things on stage. I and, appreciate and it's that. Like, and then I never hear it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why this year I've actually uh, changed up a little bit of my style. Like I still incorporate riffing because I care. Like riffing will never be out of my repertoire ever. Mm -hmm. But I I come into it a little bit more calculated because I I realize I have the skill to get booked on a regular basis. I know that. Like I'm not. I, I know who gets booked. You know. I kind mm -hmm. of done my landscaping of the the crowd and and see where i fit i know there's there's a lot of work for me to do but i know i i'm i have the ability to be on those stages a little bit more so i'm going into it a little bit more calculated now so now i'll have i'll have let's say it's a five minute set i'll have i'll have four to five jokes sometimes if i'm really feeling funny i'll put like eight jokes in it knowing i'm not going to get to the bottom of it and I always, I always leave room for riff because that, that's where you bring the crowd in. Riffing, just telling, just getting on, st to me, I, I'm only speaking from my perspective. Like, I don't know nothing about comedy. I'm just a one and a halfer right now. There's one people, and a half years old yeah, in comedy? Yeah, that's it. So there's, I'm one and a half years old. There's, we just fist bump for the people out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, for me personally, I feel so much more connected when I riff, especially when it's like a riff off crowd work, because that's when the room has you, you have the room's undivided attention. 
like everyone is there they can see what's going on so if you're calling it out and making a legitimate funny joke to it it just makes the joke even funnier half the time the joke that you do riffing on crowd work doesn't even have to be that funny if it's yeah if it's a four out of ten and funny it, it's gonna feel like an eight out of ten funny because it, it's happening right here and yes. so people People think, because I used to think this, I didn't think that comedians told the same jokes everywhere they went. I used to think that comedians like said original material every time they got on stage. Mm -hmm. I think Chris Rock was the first person that showed me that that's not the case. I was watching one of his stand-up specials on VHS a long time ago, and they would show him do the beginning of a bit in a different arena, and then the second part of the same bit he would do in another arena then the third part of a bit he would do in a different arena and i was like wait he's telling the same joke everywhere he goes i was like what the heck mm -hmm. but so when you do those riffs you kind of you kind of make people in the crowd feel like like you're you're one of those you're one of those guys you're like wow he's, he, you're just coming up with this like how are you thinking and i've had so many people walk up and be like dude you where did you get all this from like who like are you just saying this like did you have this written down i'm like i'm like no <laughs> you know they're like wow you yeah. know so it's like um that the feelings that i get from hanging out and really just expressing myself comedically and being free i i it's priceless man the people i've met in the year and a half i've been doing this has just been nothing short of a blessing like i've had people pull me off stage crying in tears giving me a hug because like this the stuff that i'm joking about they can relate to i've had dudes be like you know dude i got pulled over by the cops and i had guns drawn like people have detailed crazy stories to me because of a joke that i said about my actual life too and so it's just like i'm just slowly cultivating like a real grassroots type of type of journey and it, it feels good it's just annoying sometimes mm -hmm. when you want more when you want more recognition from higher ups you know when you say when you say you have people crying after your set to you do you mean crying laughing or crying crying because... i've had i've had both i've had i've had i've had both but the ones that make me feel something is the the crying crying the actual crying those are the ones that make me feel for sure i was just about to say you once i'm at dante's i, I saw you there's this one guy, just just some like, I don't know, an older guy just heckling the crap out of everyone. <laughs> he would not shut up. He was really drunk, and uh, and and everyone was just trying to get through him. Mm -hmm. And and then you got on stage, and uh, you were trying to go through your set, but then you just started riffing with the guy. Mm -hmm. And then he he just kind of like, he just shut up like a toddler in front of a TV. Mm -hmm. And and then you got off stage, and he was like crying in your arms, hugging you, mm -hmm. and like a like a. He was like a six foot six white man just yeah. bulky i thought he uh, he it, if he would have hit me that would have been a heck of a, a heck of a bout because he uh, i wasn't it's nothing i was looking for i'll tell you that mm -hmm. um but yeah he he started crying got very emotional but again that's 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 the nature of art i feel like i feel like what i'm doing is art i don't i think there's a difference between i feel like there's a difference between a comedian and an artist and I feel like I may I may fall more into the artist spectrum of comedy than just the comedic spectrum of comedy. Hmm. I was talking to a good buddy of mine and I was asking him, I said, if someone was to offer you 
$4,000 a month, but you had to tell jokes the same, the, the exact way they want you to tell it. You can't deviate from their, their vision on your material. Would you take it? And they said, yeah. And I said, that's the difference between a comedian and an artist. I think an artist would look at that, be kind of butthurt that they're not taking the 4,000, but, but understand that what they're creating is much more important than a stable job, you know? I disagree. Because okay. when uh, that's like, telling, I appreciate uh, a good disagreement. Let's do it. It's <laughs> like telling a painter, like, uh, would you paint some crappy mural on the wall for however much money? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have you paint it however they want. It's kind of like, yeah, they the artists do that. They have to. Mm-hmm. You have to do to to get to where you want to do your art. That's true. I mean, there are different aspects. Like, of course, there are gigs, mm-hmm. but would I compromise my entire artistry for a paycheck no i could i i I personally couldn't do that but again i I, would i do a kid's gig where i don't cuss i'm doing a radio gig right now where i'm not saying necessarily the exact verbiage that i would want to use so i mean there's there's compromises within art but i don't i think that if you completely give into corporate you know corporate's wishes that 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 hurts me. I can't necessarily speak for everybody else, but um, I think I think that would that would hurt my feelings if I just if for the next eon I could only tell jokes in this way because I'm getting this this dollar amount and I'm not really taking my artistry to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right. I, I've, you've turned me. I agree with you now because I realize now you're talking about uh, selling out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, everyone's going to sell out to a degree, right? Cause I mean, the goal is to be successful, yeah, but to sell out, sell out, I think is, is to forfeit your own beliefs and, and whatnot. Yeah. And that, that's the hardest part is like, cause you get into it. I mean, you, how long have you wanted to be a comedian? I've been writing jokes about four years now, but I would, I wouldn't say I was like, like I, I decided yeah until I guess three years ago only one year okay. after so I mean like you get on these you, you drive to these open mics you put yourself at risk for anything to happen because comedy is still a full contact sport there's a lot of arts that you can just do in the comfort of your home by yourself without any any interaction with humans but comedy is still the, the handshake art the, the art that requires dirty hands to touch each other uh, and and so that's safety you're you, you're going through these journeys internally questioning whether or not you're even built to do this you're looking at your sheet of jokes not even thinking you're funny you know there's just so many experiences that every comedian goes through to just make it and then and then pretty much wash all of that away to just do what someone else wants you to do would just break my heart, honestly. Like, that would truly break my heart. Like, if I had to choose between ultimate fame and having to legitimately sell out and mediocre fame, but I I have an organic artistry, ah, man. Man, that that's the question of, of uh, an eternity for an artist, right? I, I I mean I would like to say that I would do the mediocre one, but who knows? If someone puts fifty million dollars in front of my face, am I the same organic person that I am at this radio station right now? I have no idea. God damn! <laughs> I really hope this episode is recording. 
We're gonna take a break really quick. <laughs> I usually, in the middle of the episode, like to play a song, but I did not want to cut any of that off. Oh, However, I do need to play advertisements. Yeah. Once an hour. Let's get it. So please enjoy these 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 messages. KPSU. Yeah, stay. Keep it right here for to to continue listening to me talk to Juan Denmark, a comedian here in Portland, Oregon, on KPSU. Org. Down here in the sub-basement of Smith Memorial Student Union on Portland State University campus. Yeah. Alright, this is um, uh, advertisements. Join me, Lex, for Signal Flow, an hour of ambient, experimental, and electronic music, Mondays at 8.30 p.m. on kpsu.org. Hi, I'm Ryan Seacrest for RAD. Over 300 people in this country are killed every week by a drunk driver. That's the equivalent of two 747 plane crashes every single week. And the problem isn't going away unless we all do our part to stop it. So if you see someone who's about to drive after drinking, get the keys. Don't leave it up to anyone else. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters and the Ad Council. There's one thing you can never have sex without. It's not something you buy. Or something you take. In fact, there's only one way to get it. It has to be given to you, freely. It's consent. Because sex without it isn't sex. It's rape. Consent. If you don't get it, you don't get it. It's on us to stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I always like to end the ads with a light one. Welcome back to Earache with Milo Loza. We're consent. here. Consent. <laughs> consent. We're sitting here. I'm sitting here with Juan Denmark. And I'm sitting here with Milo Loza. The goddamn funniest. I'm talking about Juan Denmark right now. The funniest man in Portland, possibly. The best one-liner comedian in Portland, Milo Loza. We have 10 minutes before we're transitioning into the second hour. Juan Denmark, I should have prepared a question when I came back. No, this is perfect, man. Existential conversations is what I live for. Yes, thank you for killing a little bit of time right there. Yeah, we live for this. I, I, I mean, that's the part of the reason I do comedy, too. I love to explore existentiality. I don't even know if that's a real word, but it sounds hot. And that's, I think that's my new sexuality, is existentiality. Wow, that's my new... Existentiality. That is my new sexuality. That sounds so hot. You have, you have this one thing you used to say on stage that I haven't heard you say in a while, but you used to be, get on like... I'll tell you this. I was uh, at an open mic today before I came here uh, at the Silly, Glue, Silly Goose at Hindsight Tap Room. How was that? It was really cool. It was a small, intimate room. Is it, us Good. is it usually? I haven't yeah, been there there's, there's about there's about 25 to 30 people in this tightly compact room, so it was good. good. It was quality. Yeah. I'm at the table with four comedians, and we're all just game and comedy, and they're all they all look at me. And they're like, "Dude, I kn I don't know what you're gonna say when you get on stage," and I'm like, "That's exactly what what I do it for. I don't want yes. anyone to just know what I'm about to say when I get on stage. I'm I love that." 
I, I I feel bad saying another one of your jokes. But, I love it. But you, you can say all my material. <laughs> you say you say like you get up there like uh, I've decided recently that I am bi, or what was it? <laughs> or you might have said trans. I'm or I'm. I don't want to screw it up, but. Do you know where? Do you know where? You don't know what it is. Um, Damn, I can't like I don't know my material. I feel like Little Wayne or some or some crap. <laughs> he said like, I'm now bi, with my politics. Yeah, I um I am non-binary. Yes. I do remember that. that I love that joke. Oh my goodness, I need to write bi. that down. Thank you. Please do. That's funny. That always hit every I'm time gonna I heard do, you say. Yeah, I'm gonna do that in those small rural towns. <laughs> they love that type of stuff because they're gonna hate me when I say it at first, oh. and then I'm gonna be like with my politics, and then they're all gonna laugh because. We're manipulators. Oh, yeah. If you guys don't know, comedians are a bunch of manipulators. While you're sitting there waiting for a comedian to get on stage, they're in the back looking at their notes, thinking about how they can manipulate you into laughing. They're, they're, they're taking these jokes very seriously. It's not like a fun, jokey joke thing when we're in the green room. They're thinking about this like, I don't even want to put a weird um, analogy with this, but just know they're looking at this very seriously and they just want to manipulate you into laughter. It's like it's like a, a fight almost with an animal. You're, yeah. You're entering with a beast. I am non-binary with my politics. I cannot lose that because I have a you bunch can... of other one-liners. I'm starting to get one-liners, Milo. Yeah. You're, you're helping me out. You do have some great stuff. Uh, I have, oh, I can't give all, these people yeah, all yeah, of my yeah, material, yeah. but I have another one. We're, we're going, we're doing good. Sweet. Okay. Um, what was the last thing you just said? I, was, I had a question off of it. Um, existentiality, comedians being manipulators. Screw it. I'll go back to the list. Small towns. Where do you, where do you write and store your silly stuff? Wow. So I have the notes app that from the conception of my comedy, you can see the very first jokes my mind ever conjured up. Whoa, you're showing me this? Yeah, I don't care, man. Amazing. The first joke is the first line. This is all one This is sheet? every bit of comedy I've in... ever written in my entire life. You put it all in one goddamn note thing? Yeah. So peep this, because um, I know how cell phones work. I was scrolling that entire time I was like... Yeah. That he, that yeah. When he presented it, I was scrolling the whole time. I only made it halfway through. Yeah, so... I know how phones work and they're they're janky. So what I'll do after a while, actually, I'm 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 I've been telling myself to do this recently. I'm gonna copy all of it and then I'm gonna email it to myself, and then I just keep doing that. That's so good. Lately, I've been a tad bit more funny than I'm accustomed to, so um, <laughs> I need to email myself again because yeah, it, lately it's all it's I'm like on a forty percent streak right now. Forty percent of the stuff I write down is like game time funny. Oh. Yeah, that's game good. time funny. And that's like a high percentage for the, the people out there who, who know comedy. That's, it, it is cool to have it in one place, but but isn't that hard to organ? I mean, obviously it is. You don't remember your jokes. Mm -mm. <laughs> You're a funny guy. So what I do is I record all my jokes and put them to YouTube. So I probably have, I don't think there's a comedian alive who has more, who has more, comedy content on the internet than me i i hate to i, I don't want to just put that out there because that's that sounds cocky or at least like ignorant that's but not true. i have a lot you of do. time on youtube like a lot of comedy man i have probably probably 80 80 videos of comedy on my youtube page right now mm -hmm. and so 
in most of its different and variations. So I don't, I, I mean, I, I just put a lot of comedy on there. So what I'll do is when I'm bored, I'll, I'll, I'll watch my YouTube content and I remember my jokes like rap songs. So for example, there was a joke I recorded myself doing and I only did it one time on stage. I only re- did that joke one time and I was in Salem um, on Wednesday mm-hmm. and someone brought up Uncle Tom, the story of Uncle Tom and uh-huh. I already had a joke prepared for that because I made that joke already yeah. about Uncle Tom. I had already did it, I only did it once but I recorded it that one time and I had watched that video so many times it just came to my head like a song. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Uncle Tom, I was like, ooh, I already know the real story about it. Or, like, I know all the correlations to it. So I already jumped into it, and that was another minute, 30 seconds of material. That was smooth, too, because I, I was there in Salem. I saw you perform that. And it feels like a riff. It, it feels like, so now I'm at the point now where some a lot of my material feels like a riff to people, but I've already done it maybe once or twice in life. I just remember it instantly when I get triggered into the joke. That's amazing. Yeah. We're running out of time for the hour. I like to play a song to transition to the next. And you bring up something that makes that that uh, excites me. I have a question. I'm ready to uh, locked and loaded. But we're okay. gonna play a song on our way to the second hour. Nice. Once again, we're here with Juan Denmark, a, port, a comedian here in Portland, and we're on KPSU.org. We'll be right back for another hour of talking. Yes, sir. But right now, listen to the transitional song. This is Kamasi Washington desire do you have anything to say i love you if you're listening right now i love you kpsu that's right broadcasting since 1994 you are listening to kpsu it's portland's college radio we're streaming worldwide 24 7 at kpsu.org but i ought to let you know that the views and opinions expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent kpsu portland state university future milo or any of our participating Affiliate. So now you know, listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Hello, ear rapists. Welcome back to hour two of episode 66 of Ear Ape with Milo Loza. Do you have something to say right now? Juan Denmark is here. Yeah, I was, was going to do And we're gonna... ready. We're ready for another hour. That, that first hour was just a tad bit too easy, Milo. It, yeah. was, it was an awesome hour. We just flowed through that. Honestly... That w- that was a real flow because we've only gone through like ten percent of my questions. Maybe that's awesome. That's the riffing in me. I can't stop riffing no matter where I go, Milo. It's just a it's just a it's just the life of riffing. That's it. That's right. the life I live. Right before we cut to the break, you talked a little bit about um, posting on YouTube and all that. You you say that you think you have the most content out there of any comedian. I would if, if there's a comedian with more content, there we is. need to hang out. We need to hang out. Mark Norman posts, like, all the time, like, yeah. like 10 minutes a week. He put posts 10-minute videos of him put, putting doing comedy? I mean, on his on his Patreon, I know he puts, like, like a couple every couple weeks, like, a, okay. a full thing of him riffing. Oh, but nice. I'm not sure. I like Mark Norman. He's one yeah. of my, he, he's, because I'm not the biggest, I'm not in tune with a lot of comedy, but mm-hmm. Mark Norman is one of those guys that really stood out to me. I really like his style. I like his setups. I like his punches, I like his riffing. So he's, I mean, if that's the if that's the group of cool people I'm around because we like yeah. to post a lot, then I'm in great company, man. Well, my question, well, I mean, I, I already know the answer to your question now, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to argue the opposite of this. Yes, let's do it. Do you, how, how did I write? It doesn't matter. Do you think you should post on social media? Do you post on social media? 
why i do post on social media i'm starting to slow down like i still post on youtube but because my the traction isn't as big as it is on social media i i feel comfortable just posting all of my material on youtube be, I, I feel so there's there's Wait, I'm two sorry. It, can you repeat that I would... okay I, I got you so for youtube i'll post long form clips of me doing comedy all the time like mm -hmm. maybe once a week i'll post a, a five minute set or if i do a show and i and it's like a cool show i'll post the whole 10 minute set or 15 minute set i've posted 30 minute sets before um but i i appreciate it because i'm able you can for me especially a year and a half in I've, i'm able to see the first time i've done comedy to right now and you can like see the legitimate progress and so it looks cool mm -hmm. that's my own personal opinion about posting um my com comedy content on the internet but as far as instagram that's kind of like booker land facebook is like booker land like where the bookers are at and where they can kind of see your material and see if if you fit the the narrative of if if they should book you or not mm -hmm. so i've I've taken a, a I, when I first started doing comedy, I would post like whole seven minute sets on Instagram, like from start to like from the mic coming out of the stand to the mic putting back in the stand. I would even go live like I would put my I'd put my phone up and go live on Instagram, put it no up mic. against something. Yeah. And then it, it would be live. So live viewers would be watching me do comedy live, which is cool. I need to, I need to do that again. Would you get? Would you get your phone? Oh yeah, there, there'd be a there'd be a good little thing in there. There people would be like, "Wow, that was so funny, dude." Yeah, I'm like yeah, this is just live. Like you just caught a real performance. Yeah. Um, and you also, then, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you also do this thing where you like I've seen you do it a few times, but you'll like record yourself walking up to stage yeah. while while they're announcing your name and you're dude, about to start I, your I like set. That, that I is really like cool. That. I it's, like seeing that on your story and crap. yeah, because people feel that because that's where you really feel it. Um, that's where you it really looks, know it what looks it's really like. Cool in story, but I gotta say, in person as an audience member, you look like a dork. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's cool. I, it, I like to bring the experience to you know to people who who view my stuff. Mm -hmm. So it just, I know people are nervous to get on stage and like that feeling and like, oh my goodness, what does it feel like to walk out on this on the crowd is mm -hmm. like packed or whatever. And it's like, well, I'll, I'll show you, you know. So mm -hmm. I'll just, I'll just have the camera, literally like first person video, and just body cam it up to the stage, you know. And so it's like, whoa, they're like, well, that's what it's like to be you, you know. It's kind of cool. It is so. one of the coolest stand-up clips. <laughs> yeah, like stand-up yeah. clips in general kind of suck on social media yeah but that's that's a really cool thing to see as yeah yes. people feel that when people feel that one so um i like that but yeah so i used to go really hard with posting clips now i'm more selective i use instagram like a business a little bit more now so i'll post a lot of clips in just the real section for people who understand how instagram set up there's there's like your main page profile section then there's the real section and then there's like tag photos and whatever so I will post really good comedy clips to my profile part of Instagram, like the one that I think is like a good joke and I did it right and it's got the right video quality, like all the things hit right. I'll put that on my personal page, like where everyone can see it when they just view me. And then 
if you actually care about me, then you, then there's the real section, and then I might put some random cool clips in there, you mm -hmm. know, that you might you might not even know I posted unless you did the extra work to see that. And so that's like a gem for whoever does that. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, sometimes I'll post interview clips, like random clips of like people asking me questions or um, random times I was messing with the crowd or jokes that all I need is better video quality and it's going to go straight to the profile part because that joke is great. I just need better quality video to put um, on on prime time. So uh, it's that that side's more of me just like, you know, keeping an audience fed if they care. And, yep. um, you know, sometimes I like to watch those clips and then remember jokes too. I like oh. to just I treat all my jokes like rap songs, man. They're all like rap songs. So I hear a joke that I've done and I just repeat it over and over again and then I learn how to tell it and then I learn it so good that I start riffing jokes that I already know how to do and then that's when magic comes because you know we all get tired of telling the same joke so I'll tell the same joke but then I'll I'll find new ways to be funny inside of the same joke and then it's like I'm adding um, yeah I'm just I'm really learning comedy at a, at a much better rate now I'm like learning how to add new jokes on top of the same set and it's just i'm just extending one joke to like three and a half minutes now like i have a joke i just did today i've i've been able to extend it to three and a half minutes based on all of the work i put in around just one joke that used to just be 45 seconds could you describe how you do that <sighs> man it's okay if you a lot of no no it, a lot of embarrassment there there is embarrassment aspect in comedy that i've gotten comfortable with I like to go to uh, I like to go to bars that don't have that many people in it. Sometimes there's bars where I like to go in and I'm like excited when there's only two people there. I'm like, yes, I can like really work this now. You know, if there's a lot of people, then I have to be funny, and that's not fun all the time. That's that's one of the that's insane. That's an insane thing you just said. Yeah, like th there's sometimes I'm, I'm walking up to a bar and I see people leaving, and I'm like, yes, yes, this is perfect. I just need. I just need the the host, me, and the bartenders, and I can just run these these jokes and and really figure out how to paint around them. So um, I, I figure out a joke. I've ripped for a long time now, and I have a lot of it on video. So because of that, sometimes I pull other jokes that correlate to a joke that I've already written, and then I just wrap it around it. Like you know, I, I have a joke about being married, and then at first it was just I'm married. And then it became, um, I'm married because why? Why did I become married? And then I have a joke for why I got married. And then I have a joke for being in the military and how that influenced me to be married. And then I've, you know, and then that's, that's still the same topic. And now I've just, I've just opened one joke up to like four to five minutes. And that's when real, that's, that's when you become like a comedian for real. Mm -hmm. um, when you're able to kind of, open things up more and really sit in it and figure out how to make it funnier that's when it's like okay like you're starting to understand like the science mm -hmm. and and I'm, I'm getting more nerdy with comedy a little bit because at first i just wanted to do it and have fun and talk crap but now i'm kind of like okay i have this talent okay how can i be really good okay if i get this big opportunity to go on this stage i want to kill like my goal now is every single time I get on stage, I want to kill. I don't care. I don't care if it's two people in the crowd. I don't care if it's 100 people in the crowd. I have to feel like I killed. Like, 
in Salem, uh, that day that we were hanging out, I felt like I killed two times, but at Infinity Room, I felt like I did good, but I wanted to kill. Like, like I want to walk off and everyone's clapped. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that feeling like, oh, wow, you killed. And I kind of was beating myself up because I'm like, damn, I killed twice that day. I just wanted to kill the last time and get out of there. But it was like a halfway kill. It wasn't good enough for me. So it's Mm. like... I'm just hit the drawing board. Okay, I need to kill every single time. It's like, so I'm just hard on myself. I'm naturally a competitive person. And once I like have a passion to do something, I disappear in it, dude. I disappear in it. That's just my per- my nature. I wouldn't say you didn't kill. I mean, I don't know. You certainly didn't bomb. Mm-hmm. But yeah i guess that the open mic you did right before that you murdered absolutely yeah so it was, yeah like that like you know so it's like i wanted that again you were for like 10 minutes maybe yeah and do you man, know how long you were up? i have no idea i have no idea but i i blacked out sometimes i black out dude like i catch this rhythm where i'm just like i'm just i'm just in the moment and everything is flowing perfectly that was a really goddamn good so you had me dying yeah. the whole time yeah yeah i was like man this is crazy I can't believe I'm giving you this little room, all of these, all of this wonderful, like for free. Like you just, yeah, you man. just guys just got lucky. You came here and you got good comedy, man. That's yeah, good on you. You chose a great place to go today. You know. Yeah, it was a pretty tough room that that place. Yeah, yeah. It was all comedians too, and you. Yeah. God damn it, Juan. Yeah, Infinity Room. I do really good at, um, and and that was still a good, like you know, I would be okay with that performance. It wasn't bad to say the least, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just want to kill every time. That's why I made it a thing this year to write all my sets down. So go on stage with at least a piece of paper and have all my jokes that I intend on saying because I know I have the material to kill now. I just have to bring it. And so sometimes with riffing, I learned that, oh, like you can forget all of your stuff and now you're just up there kind of playing around and not, not seizing the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, no, I want to seize every single moment um and yeah that that that's what happened bro it's uh, yeah that's what that's what we're in it for is to seize every moment i want people to really put real respect on my name this year for sure that's i hope they do i think you deserve i mean you're you're great i appreciate this man this is a lot of respect to say i'm one of your favorite comedians in portland that's an honor dude because i i i was just i'm just doing this man i'm just telling my life and I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Now you've always been on like this this other level than anyone else. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, back to the social media thing, though. Let's do it. You. I really like that what you said that you put your great stuff in the. I don't, I don't know if anyone understands this, but on Instagram there's the there's the post sections, and you slide to the right. There's mm-hmm. just reels, mm-hmm. and uh, you can put reels in your post section, but your post section isn't necessarily reels. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so when you have a great reel, you you put on the post section. Yeah. But for everything else, you slice clips up and mm-hmm. just put it all in the reels. Yeah. Just so anyone that that likes you can watch all of that. Yep. There's no rhyme or reason to it, as far as what I put in the reel section, because that if I just really like it. But I feel like the video's grainy or, you know, it's just not the material's a little off kilter. Like the video could be good, but if it's if it's me kind of riffing without a real just direct 
you know, um, headshot, then I'll still put it on the real section just because I, and sometimes I don't want to over post because sometimes like over posting can kind of, uh, drown out your, your impact. So I like to just throw some posts in, in this section so that I'm feeding a community. And then when it's ready to like really pull the trigger, it's like a really well prepared, you know, bomb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. That, that, you, that's what I think. Yeah. I, I, that's interesting to me. Cause I, the reason I don't post is because I don't, well, mainly because I guess this isn't a concern really for you, but no, no, but my I, material, we're here. We're working together, bro. My material is so like, uh, static and not dynamic. Like yours, yours, your yours material is very dynamic that, um, man, the the I'm I'm religious, so I have to wait till marriage. Joke is hilarious. I was kind of mad that you haven't really used that really. Like you kind of did that, and then I haven't really heard too much of that one. That's funny. I said that one a lot. That, that's yeah. That might be my that that that's that is a funny joke. Like Thank that's you. money. That's a money joke. Uh, so there's like different jokes I classify. I call the money jokes the jokes that. If you're doing a paid gig and you know people are there to see a show, you need to pull that joke out. That is absolutely a money joke right there. Thank you. That that joke does not hit that hard, to be honest. Like really? When I'm having a great set, a lot of jokes are hitting. I pull that one out. It doesn't hit that hard. Wow. I think I have to re- That's what I'm saying. I, it's not... I'm not dynamic enough. Do you introduce yourself with that joke? No. Ooh. I, actually, I think I might have. I've, okay, I, I was going to say... I'll sometimes say it's second. Yeah, if you slip Definitely. that in between your set, I can see it maybe missing people but if you introduce yourself like that that's funny every time but what i'm saying i don't even think you could miss with that joke if you start off with that i don't I, i'm sure i can't i'll do it the maybe next like in a dante's or like if you do it like i'm saying like a room yeah, yeah. where you get the undivided audience's attention mm-hmm. you know that joke in in a room where people are actually paying attention to what you have to say i don't see that joke not working in any state like not in like not just in Portland. I think anywhere you go in America, that joke's funny. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one thing I learned is like, because uh, I, I did a little bit of traveling um, last year and the beginning of this year, and I'm I'm realizing, okay, I can't just make jokes for one central location because that's just gonna stagnate you. Like people who name streets and specific restaurants or specific mannerisms of people to one general location, that that keeps you in that location funny. But can you take that same joke to Texas and say it when no one knows who you are and be funny? That's how I'm trying to build all my content now. And so Mm -hmm. that joke that you have most actually all of your jokes are pretty much like that where you can just you can kind of take all your jokes on the road which is cool i like that about your material too your jokes aren't really like i'm in portland and i talked to a pink-haired girl and she played with crystals like it, yeah it, trying to make it very like uh timeless almost yeah yeah exactly exactly because uh, you you'll see you'll see i mean we have a lot of good comedians here but a lot of them are scared to hit that road Oh, a lot of a lot of them don't really hit that road like that. A lot of them stay local. I kind of figured it's just because they're not at the, they don't have the opportunity. I mean that that's a possibility too. But I mean there there have been instances of comedians just like questioning their worth as far as if they can if they can be funny outside of Portland because Portland is one type of funny. It's not 
it's not the funny it's it's a funny you know so mm. you could go up to tacoma i've been to i went to auburn washington to do comedy and their funny is way different it's offensive it, it's i was like whoa this is fun again like comedi <laughs> comedians can be offensive again wow this is awesome yeah um, so it, it it really varies I, I do want to talk about comedy traveling with comedy but back on me my static jokes and yours yeah. being dynamic my even if the joke is great and whatever it still is like really static in that it doesn't change and the way i say it in the video i say it almost exactly in person mm -hmm. like lucas pointed it out to me once with the uh p after sex joke i know i that, like, that, that exact hand motion every I, time <laughs> I, I still love that joke I, I, <laughs> thank you i uh, he, but but I do, do like perform them the exact same as they come out in video, whereas you like you said you perform like you don't do the same thing twice almost. So it's, there's a little yeah. bit something different. Well, it's it's more chaotic. I I yeah. live I I'm an adrenaline junkie by nature. I love thrill. I love I used to jump out of air. That used to be my job was to jump out of airplanes. Yeah. I used to get paid to do that. So like a part of Wait, what? Yeah, part of my job was to be full of angst all day anticipating this jump and then finally do it and then you know so it was like that buildup of anxiety is like what i still chase even though i don't do that anymore and That's so crazy. and so that i think i've just brought in that i i don't think i know i i brought that to comedy and i do it in weird obscure ways like yeah yeah riffing or not doing you know or changing up jokes or you know sometimes i'm just dissecting a joke while i'm saying it i just see a pocket of funny right there i'm like oh that's gonna hit that's amazing the way you just put it like like comparing it to jumping off an airplane because it does feel like you know all day you're about you're gonna mm -hmm. gonna get on the airplane you're gonna get near the door you're gonna do, about to jump before they like jump whatever before someone calls you out to jump it's the exact That's, same thing as jumping out of airplane yeah. like outside of doing it obviously but yeah, yeah. like there's a there's a manifest which is a list of people that are going to jump out of the airplane there's a person who 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 um who who gives you the rules and the layouts of the land before you jump out of the airplane mm -hmm. then there's a person who instructs you to get ready to jump out of an airplane and then there's a per and then they they assist you out of the airplane the host and then once you've jumped out of the airplane and you're in the air, you're doing your own thing. You're by yourself. You're alone. You're on the stage doing your own thing. And then when you land and hit the ground, which is when you get off stage, you're like, that was awesome or that sucked. Like there's the only two options you get when you jump out of the airplane was, woo, that was great. And those three options, woo, that was great. Woo, that sucked or nothing. It was call the ambulance. So it's the exact same setup. And then once you've, once you realize you have all your legs and appendages and the jump is a success, you feel relieved. You can feel the person's body language change and they're just they're they're more confident. They're they're standing with their chest out a little bit more because they've survived this experience. It's the same experience as comedy. It's that same trajectory. The same trajectory of emotions that you go through jumping out of a plane is the same exact uh motions you go through doing comedy. Same. That's a great metaphor. Yeah. Back with you keep you keep jumping on all these fantastic waves, but but to bring it back to social media, mm -hmm. I I feel like there's there's almost a fault to having so much of you out like that. The way you you serve that community with all those reels mm -hmm. and and all your YouTube clips, like because you're more you're more likely. 
I'm mean, gonna you're not you're not posting all your clips, but you or all your all of your stand up. But I guess like it's valuable for a comedian to. And I, I was gonna say, but now I'm going back on it. That no, no, say it. Let it go. When you when you're when when like a like a bigger comedians, they need to be in comedy clubs and they need it to not be recorded because mm -hmm. they need to say some crazy crap and figure it out. Mm -hmm. But if you're just posting all this stuff, you're more likely to let that crazy crap slip through mm -hmm. and almost like maybe get canceled in the future or right. whatever. And I don't know if. I don't think I've said anything to get myself canceled. The the beauty, but but I I completely understand your perspective, and I have I. That's why I'm a lot more selective now when I record, because I I want to be able to be be comedically free in certain spaces and not feel like I have to watch what I say because that's going to hinder my art from being fully created. Like I I need that blank canvas in that private dark room to just throw paint at. And then I need to look at it and be like, okay, I see where there's art. And then I need to get another canvas and then r actually outline where the art is at. So that that's so those rooms that suck that I'm never going to record at in front of people, that's the room where I'm just throwing paint at the canvas now. I'm, I look at it differently now. Like earlier, yeah, I would record a lot more. But now I kind of select. Like like when we were in Redmond, I was like, ooh, there's 190 people here. I need this on camera. Like, ooh, I need this on camera. Like, I, like I, so I already know, and I already have all my jokes ready now. I already have my game time jokes ready. So I'm like, ooh, I need this on camera. Sometimes if I go to Kelly's Olympian, like on a Sunday mic, because it's Kelly's and it's like a good stage and setup, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But for the most part, I don't record my sets anymore like that. I really want, I want comedy club tape now that's that's kind of where i've started to transition from what i've been used to because yeah i have enough of the bar tapes i have i have enough of those i have enough of my camera tapes like i might pull those out if i get a good show and i don't you know but for the most part i want i want tape from like helium i want tape from infinity room like uh -huh. I, like our whatever comedy club i go to in the future i want their tape because it's it's more polished um, by the time I get up there, I'll have the jokes. It's not, you know, they're just going to be done and they're going to be ready. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I kind of want now to kind of build it where every everything I'm creating is just like, it's just money. Like this, this year is money. Year. This is the money year for me. Like every video I want to post like on the big, on the, on my, on my actual page, I want that to be like real money, clean, straight to the point funny you know and so that's that's kind of where that's kind of where my head's at so yeah you're absolutely right it can be it can it can be dangerous to just post a bunch of clips free willy-nilly because you got the, the the sharks out there looking to cancel you the the beautiful thing about my life though is that i have people from every type of community in my immediate family you know what i'm saying like i like i was raised so my dad went to africa when i was six when i was in the ninth grade until i was in the 12th grade basically in the whole my whole high school experience my dad was in africa so my uncle moved in with me he's he's a he was a gay man um and who was diagnosed with hiv so so that, is that's that's a rapper no, no no this is just my my uncle okay. um so so i, ha I have I had a gay man who was raising me basically in high school um I'm black, of course. Um, I have a I have a brother who's trans, 
you know, um, I have a, you know, I have a sister as well. So that it covers the women part of the house. I have an old grandma. So that watches my comedy sometimes. So I've always grew up with like a certain level of respect. And I think the people in my life that are, that, that are the closest to me kind of, um, well, not kind of, but they're in each of the communities. And so I've always kind of, I've always kind of been conscious of not being overly disrespectful to any community because I I live with the like I live with all types of people mm-hmm. so um yeah that that's always that's always kept me from cancel land that's great I, I get close to cancel land though I get really you close do. and when I'm in Dante's I probably am in cancel land <laughs> but that none of that's going on YouTube mm-hmm. <laughs> I crap I just had the best question in the world to go off of that yeah cancel land how, how does a comedian deal with the pressures of cancel cancellation how do you deal with it milo because you have you have jokes granted they're very clean you have clean comedy as in you don't cuss much and um but you you have jokes that can f- make people feel offended as yeah. you've experienced uh one time when we were in dante's um when what someone was asking you about a joke oh yeah yeah and, and you like were really you really wanted to know about it yeah. so um, how do you deal with like being a, a creative and n- worrying about being canceled? Um, I don't really, but I, it does really fascinate me. Like with that, I, I did talk about that on the show and how um, it, it was a gay joke. Looking back, when I was talking about it on the show, I realized it wasn't the argument that they were making wasn't exactly valid to the joke and, and it didn't make sense. Uh, but on the stage, when when they were calling me out like that, I was just so panicked. Yeah, you felt and I the was pressure. like, I, I'm wrong. I'm totally wrong. This person's in that community. They're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, but I also was still like, tell me more about that. Tell me why it's wrong. And they did tell me something, and I just I got off stage and I thought about it for a long while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told a joke. I don't. Well, it, now it's at Star Theater this week that I haven't told in a year. But when I first started comedy, I, I used to consider it my best joke. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where I say, like, my girlfriend gave me an ultimatum. She said I have to make a choice, me or the drugs. Oh, yeah. And uh, love I love that joke. I made my decision, but I, I wish I was abusing drugs. Yeah, I, I love that joke. I love that joke. I'm glad, but I, I do, I've had someone come up to me after, like, that joke. I don't know if you've noticed, because you keep saying it, but that joke makes the audience pretty uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that leads me to another question, I guess. Is it bad to be the bad guy at the end of the joke? Because what that person told me was the reason why it's bad is be, like the reason why the audience is uncomfortable is because there's not really an explanation to it. Like you're just like you just it's just kind of like this guy beats his girlfriend or he abuses his girlfriend. And um, and there's not really that because because in comedy, the setup builds the tension and the punchline is supposed to release it. But but there's still that little bit of tension where they're like, is this guy going to go abuse his girlfriend? So, okay. so do you think that's okay in stand-up? Do I think beating up your girlfriend is no, okay? No, 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 no. Do you think no. it's okay to have that tension? <laughs> <laughs> Look at me thinking about cancel culture right now. Uh, <sighs> here's the thing, man. Um, I really, truly, utterly yeah. believe 
in freedom of speech like to the to the death of me like i don't i don't i can't i can't get offended uh, there's nothing anyone can say that offends me i've had everything told to me i've had every flaw pointed out i've had every every girl i've had been cheated on in a in a marriage like i felt all of the pain like so for me i asking me these questions is really hard you're not going to get the yeah. same answer you'd get asking another dude well, no, I, I, the thing is, yeah. I want the answer you're okay. about to say. Okay, so, so for me, I I think comedy is comedy, and that's what it is. Like, if you come to a comedy show expecting for politicians to speak, you, you've went to the wrong courthouse. You need to go to the correct courthouse and, and, and file legislation. But if you're looking for people to joke and and bring humor, then you can't expect someone to adhere to your own projections for what safe comedy is you know what i'm saying like you come to a comedy show and you prepare for the worst you put your big boy pants on you're, you're supposed to be 21 you can't be under 21 to be here sometimes there's 18 year olds in there but again 18 year olds serve in the military i have some buddies who who are 18 who didn't make it to c25 so people die um so once you're 18 you've you've strapped on the big boy pants and if you're coming to a comedy show, be prepared. Like, I went to a comedy show, and they put me, like, in the second row. And this was a shit-talking comedian. Too. Whoa, this whoa, wasn't... whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. That was really good that you made it an hour and a half before cussing. Wow. Wow. Each of the comedians I've had on have cussed three times each. Oh, wow. Man. <laughs> yes. Darn it. No, I'm sorry. That's so, okay. so, no, thank you for that whoa. That was a yeah, perfectly yeah. timed whoa. Um <laughs> So I sat I sat second row, middle, yeah, yeah. middle second row, which means I'm directly in front of the microphone stand of a trash talking comedian. And I that was when I decided, you know what? If I get it, I get it. And that's just what it is. And that's what comedy is. And so I didn't get it. I was like, wow, okay, cool. You didn't make fun of me. I mean, you, you should have made fun of me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah so i i i didn't ask to move because i was scared i i i look at this as what it is these are we're all adults here and the world's only going to get harder for people to be themselves and, and honestly speak their mind and if we're coming after people who are getting paid to make fun of stuff maybe we should just slow down and like reevaluate everything that's going on here because we're supposed to be here to make fun of stuff but also we we aren't like it opened us open micers we're we're just going up to an open microphone and and kind of talking crap so mm. we kind of do have survey a, a duty almost to to be somewhat clean and 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 uh i feel like apprehensible is the word but i'm not sure what that means I mean, you, 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 you raise valid points that I can't argue for your perspective. Okay. I mean, when I go into a mic, I'm not necessarily looking at myself as an open micer. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course, that's what I do. Majority of the time I talk into a microphone is for free. But I see myself as 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 someone who can who can who can be in this industry legitimately. So um, when I'm crafting out jokes, whether it be at an open mic or a show it's still with the same purpose and premise to to 
express myself comedically in ways that I think I want to, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you have to take into account that you're a human. Again, this is a handshake business, so you're going to have to shake people's hands. And when you, when you get off stage, you don't have uh, 10 security guards to escort you out the door. Like, so every joke that you say, you have to put your own, your own behind behind, be, your own behind behind. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, whatever joke you say on stage, you better be willing to defend it when you get off stage. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's your behind, you know, have you ever had to, Wow, let's see. I, I've had I've had hecklers, but I never I never engage I never engage violently with hecklers. Every time I get a heckler, it's usually I'm usually pretty peaceful and cool about it. Mm-hmm. Like I welcome them, and then I usually make fun of them out of love. Like you can feel love when I'm talking to a heckler. Yes, you. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. You disarm hecklers. I disarm like, hecklers. The worst goddamn hecklers in the room will be so obnoxious. And then, like I said earlier, they're, they're like toddlers in front of a TV with you. Yeah, yeah, because I turn, I give love instantly. Yeah, I mean, that's who I am as a person. So before I did comedy, I was always like a love-first type of person. That's one of the reasons I got out of the military is because mm-hmm. I'm a love-first type of person. But, um, yeah, when you give people love, they don't, they, because they, most comedians handle hecklers with aggression and they're yelling at them and they're cussing at them. And that's not it just looks cowardly from my perspective because I've been around people who've, who've killed people for a living. So I know that killers don't ra- like, they don't raise their voice. They don't, they, if they do raise their voice, it's, it's amongst men. It's not like, you know, from a elevated state, it's like, I'm mm-hmm. looking you in your face and I'm telling you what I really feel about you. I've been around actual people who've killed people. So, um, because I've been around that environment of people, I can I can see when it's just male fragility. I just I just I, that word's been stuck in my head today because I've been reading it in, for school. But fragility, yeah, fragile, 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 mm-hmm. fragile male ego mm-hmm. is what I see when I see um, our 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 woman ego, fragile woman ego. If a woman does it, I think it's the same in both instances. Um, that that's why I I, I handle people with love because I don't want to take it to a negative place that's not what i want to do you know i can but i would love not to i prefer to just love people but how do you ex- like like can you can you run us through like how, how, to, do how to do it work? like how, okay how do i how to teach me like if you yelled at me right now and you're like one i hate you like you like let's you're just on stage. yeah we're, we're, i'm on stage and i'm doing comedy and you jump up and you're like that joke sucks you suck. I, okay, sorry. You have some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, no, no. We're gonna do it. Actually, perfect. Let's let's completely improv right now, radio. Right. This is awesome. Let's improv. So All I'm right. telling a joke, and you you say what? All right. Make sure you don't yell too loud into the mic if you're gonna. Yeah, yell. yeah. I'm not uh, gonna yell. I'm um, not a yeller. Juan, pay attention to me. Stop telling your jokes and look at me. Okay. And then I'll st- I will stop telling my jokes and I will turn over to you and I'll say, "What's going on, man? How are you feeling right now?" Uh, and so now it's it's calm and everyone's really paying attention because they're like whoa he's getting the time of the day what's up and then you're gonna respond you're right that is a good thing that was that was a bad that was a bad hold on no that's what i'm saying but 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 (laughs) that's what i'm saying yeah whatever you say yeah 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 i have control of the situation because i'm i have the loudest auditory device so 
as soon as you say anything, you can say anything to me. I, I'm going to bring the level down because I'm a calm person by nature. I don't get hot-headed. I don't, I don't get angry. So I'm going to bring the energy down, and then I'm going to address you as an actual human being because that's the only thing I know how to do. I don't know anything. I don't know. I don't have, like, some special crowd work trick. It's I'm going to treat you like a human being, and then I'll find the funny as we're talking. All right, let me try again. Let me try again. Yeah, let's do it. No. No. Why would you say something like that? Man. Stop. Wow. What, what, what don't you like about my joke? What don't you like about your joke? You're, 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 you're sexist. You're, you're immature and, and racist. Wow. I, I thought black people... See, see I have trigger words that lead okay, me okay. to jokes. So <laughs> when you said racist, yeah. I'd be like, wow, I thought black people couldn't be racist. And then I'm going to go into a bit. Mm. I already have a joke right now that I'm like, I want to say, but I don't like giving my material yeah, 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 away for free, even though I do open mics. Mm. <laughs> but I have a joke for it. I have a joke <laughs> that I've just written that's actually I love. Well, I'll, I'll do I'll do it. Forget it. Hey, can you can you also break down this joke? I would love for you. Yeah, yeah. You so 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 you like your sex is your racist. I'm like, wow, I didn't know black people could be racist. See, see, that's why you shouldn't say black people shouldn't be racist, because we're actually better than you guys when it comes to being racist. Like not only will we disrespect you, we'll make a T-shirt and a Christian album. And that's a Kanye joke, right? That I, I didn't even say Kanye's name, but I just made fun of Kanye. And for the people out there who can relate to that, that's that's more of a, a nuanced um, joke. And if no one if no one laughs to that, then I'll go to the actual joke of Kanye, and I'll be like, you see, I've been doing a lot of thinking, and Kanye was absolutely right. See, after I said that, and it, let's say it didn't work, but I'm gonna run to another joke I have. If it did work, do you continue to this Kanye this next part? Maybe if I get cocky. Okay. If, it, if it really okay. worked, then I might. If it really worked, then I might. If it just kind of worked, where I can move on to the next subject and they're quiet now, then I'll just move on to the next subject. But if it like worked and I like blew the head off, sometimes I'm feeling myself and I'm like, ooh, throw 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 another throw another gasoline to the fire, and then I'm like, okay, let's have fun, let's let's mess with them. And then I have a joke where I'm like, you know what, Kanye was absolutely right, and then everyone's gonna get quiet. And they're gonna look at me like I am the dumbest person who's ever spoken their entire life, and I'm gonna be like. George Bush doesn't like black people. And then that gets him because that's a that's a quote that he said before publicly. That was like his first big quote. Um, and it's like it's like, man, it's it, it just catches him off. It, it just catches him off guard. So I like the misdirection. And if that works, then then we'll move on. I'm, I'm out of there. Then we'll mm -hmm. move on to something else. If it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, then I'll be like, wow, you guys are pretty stiff here. All right. You know, like so I, you I, you you address the bomb sometimes, sometimes. Uh, I pick and choose because because sometimes people can get caught up in addressing the bomb too much. Uh, again, I'm mm -hmm. a I'm a beginner, so there is much more I have to learn in the in the next three years. I'll probably learn. I'll probably be able to answer that question a lot better. But okay. um, for me, I don't like to address it too much because it looks like you're coming from a sense of desperation if you if you address the bomb too much and it's, then it's like you're begging for laughter and then it just compounds on each other and then you're just like whatever bomb you were doing you can just times that by like five now mm -hmm. 
and then it's just now you're just up there sweating bullets sucking bait you you don't even remember your material anymore you're just like grabbing jokes that may have been funny before and they're not even within context now you're just saying funny things that aren't funny now because there's no there's you didn't you're not sequencing the jokes properly because you're panicking and then it's just a bomb <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I forgot the original question we were on now. Nice. We're having fun. This, this is good. This, this is, really is good, good stuff. We only have 15 minutes left. <laughs> Man, wow. We just ran through two hours like it was 45 minutes. We went through an hour and 45 minutes like it was 45 minutes. Wow. Wow. I can't believe we just did that, Milo. Oh, I met your parents, by the way. That was awesome. I, Actually, I need to say that. You met my mother and my mother's boyfriend. Ah. I didn't I didn't say it though. It would have been awkward if I was like, "Actually, that's not my boyfriend." <laughs> <my mother." laughs> yeah. That would have been funny. That would have that would have been hilarious. I don't think I have the skills to make that work. Oh, it might have been, yeah. But yeah, that's uh that was cool. Well, your people, your your people from whom uh keep you protected. Mhm. That was that was awesome. You're actually I think you're the only people's parent like, you know, somewhat parents I've met do comedy. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. As of now. First you've seen or, or met? Met. I, I, I've met um, uh, another buddy of mine's parents, but he's not a comedian. He just hangs around the comedians. Mm. So that doesn't count. How do you... This is a really crappy joke, or a crappy question, but, but you're really good at answering them, so mm-hmm. I'm going to hope you have an answer. How do you write it? Okay, so... Um, I have a, I like I'm single right now so if there's any single women out there listen to what I've said in the last hour and 45 minutes um, so I have a lot of conversations with women a lot I think more than I talk to men I probably talk to women more than I talk to men and so I just have these these conversations with them about their lives, about my life. I like to just talk in general. And so I, I think of good conversations talking to them. And then if I'm at like an open mic, I might be listening to a comedian and they say something that inspires something else. And then I think of a joke or sometimes I'll wake up at three o'clock in the mo- in the morning write a joke in my phone in my notes app i'm in the shower i think of a joke like it it all comes randomly um sometimes i'll be on stage and i'll be riffing off of a premise and i'll be like whoa that was funny that i just said that i cannot forget this and i'll write that down but but how like is it a like for me it's almost like a a a flip of a stone like Mm -hmm. oh come and come are similar i could make a pun with that yeah some crap like, like is that just some sort of lightning thing in your head that just strikes you yeah it's it, it i mean the the good stuff yeah like there was one time i was doing a joke i, I do a joke about uh losing a lot of a lot of pounds and then i, yeah, I yeah. correlate it to to being divorced and then i was on stage doing that joke and i just again the comedic beat i just find new things to slip into the beat like it's like a beat mm-hmm. and the new thing i slipped into the beat was like um, uh, how pounds is British British for money, and so I I I, I like correlated the like pounds to money as well as the divorce, like you know, because divorce yeah, yeah, you yeah. lose money. So it's like I like added on to that joke through a uh, pure riff, like it was it, absolute riff. I don't think I've heard you do that part yeah, like two I, days ago. I, I pulled that. I pulled that out. I, I just see it's, it's all. It, it just keeps compounding every yeah. day. I'm learn, I'm getting new material that I can just. I have a whole new set. Like my whole set now is new like for the most part there's maybe one joke 
that I've done before, but my new like five to seven minute set is brand new jokes, all new jokes, and they're all good. They all make people laugh. In small rooms, big rooms, it works. I'm like, wow. How many jokes do you tell a set? <sighs> um, like actual jokes that I go in there with on a piece of paper. Yep. A five minute set, I'll probably do like five to six jokes, maybe seven, and then there's probably if if it's a good crowd who's like cool, two riffs two riffs i might riff on the person set before me to start off and then as i'm telling a joke someone's gonna have a weird reaction that i might riff on and then another weird reaction i might riff on and then you're getting the jokes in between all of that so you always start with a riff uh not always depends like if it's a real like if 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 the comedian before me left a legitimate impact i'll i'll riff because i do before them because i think that's a really good good practice to even just like mm-hmm. playing something in the room, like oh, that painting looks weird. I'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was one time I did a, I did a show in Olympia. <laughs> I'm looking at the words to not say. <laughs> I did a show in Olympia, and in the bathroom of Olympia, it's just an open sink where you pee, and so there, there you, there's no stalls. You're just, you're just standing next to a dude, and you can see his junk, and so. The first thing I said was uh, I got on stage and I was like, man, I love this bar. Um, I, I forgot. I was like, this is one of the only bars where you can figure out who the dominant race actually is. Um, and so I was just talking about how I was like, you know, I, I, there was a guy next to me and and I was like, black, black guys still have larger penises as of now. So... <laughs> Um, that was that was funny, and then the dude who was next to me was a comedian, so he actually got up like a couple of guys after me. He was like, uh, "I was that dude, actually." <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like you can't make this type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is like th- only in the moment. Like everyone in the in the bars laughing because they know that that's how it's set up in there, yeah. and it's you know, and so it's like it, it, that that's where that real laugh comes because they're like, "Wow, he's like actually talking about something that's actually happening here." I'm- I love when when a comedian gets on stage and they try like roasting one of the audience members and it doesn't really work out and they're like, "Oh, you're a comedian? Crap!" Yeah. And they have to wait for them to get on stage to see if they're good or not. If yeah. Going to retaliate. Yeah, he was he was okay. I, I mean, his you know, mm-hmm. he was all right. But um, yeah, I usually don't roast people. I've never roasted someone before. I, I don't I don't believe in roasting. I I, I kind of leave mm-hmm. the crowd members out of it. Even when they're aggressive, I, I still find a way to disarm them with love. I haven't had to get into a roasting battle. I've never, mm. I've never, act, that's one, there's two things in comedy I, I've never really explored fully. Uh, I'm, 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 jump, I'm putting my feet in the water of one-liners, but roasting, I don't roast people at all. I'd like to have the skill, but they, I don't, I don't. It doesn't come to me naturally, and it's not something I, I practice either, roasting people. Yeah, my roast would be very personal as far as your your integrity as a man, um, <laughs> you know, like like real stuff. Yeah. Like, not, you know, not stuff that you can just brush off because that's the part of your set anyway. Like, real stuff, like, you know, you don't look people in the eyes when you give them handshakes. Like, stuff like that. Like, stuff that just stings. Like, yeah. you know, like... <sighs> Ooh, I'm not a man. Like I want you to go home and really think about exactly what I said to you. Oh you know? man, I heard. I heard there was someone was hosting a. You <laughs> might have been there. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, um, I roast the roast the host. Of yeah. The thing, and and someone went on stage and just like 
said something like, like, hey, I don't respect you at all, and I don't think you're funny. Nice. I support that. That's not really a roast, though. I mean, the person I, it's that said not. that is someone I, I do respect quite a bit, actually. And yeah. I do think very highly of them. Were they but just being mean, or were they actually trying good. to roast? Oh, wow. Wow. It's I would insane. love to know who, who I only heard of it, though. I wasn't, I wasn't there. I'll tell you after. Saying it to the buddy who does roast the host? Saying it to our buddy who does roast the host? Um, a buddy of the buddy. Okay, okay. I'll tell you after this. Remind yeah, yeah, sweet. Nine minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, people say mean stuff. It, it like I, I don't I don't think most people are fun. like I can sit in the comedy and never bust into laughter one time and and that's just what it is so um, laughter is so subjective like you know everyone has their own stroke have you ever have you ever um, had one of those days where you're like I, 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 maybe you're sad or whatever but you're just like mm -hmm. I, I don't feel funny but you still go to an open mic yeah those, those are days like man um so i've had there's there's different places to go when i don't feel like that like there's sometimes i feel like that and i have to go to a really like smile in everyone's face type of place and the, that's annoying like when i don't when i don't feel funny that? and like you have to go to a mic where like a lot of people are gonna be there and then they're gonna they're just gonna require a lot of your energy that's not fun like i love not feeling funny and then going to like a dante's that's awesome because mm. I, I just feel my energy being restored being there i love the bartender like you mike um and tony and and brian like i love everybody there like i love i love i love everything about dante so when i'm not when i'm not feeling funny or in the mood to be funny just being around them makes me feel better and i'm like okay i don't you know whether i feel funny or not this is satisfactory enough for me but like other mics honestly pretty much every mic outside of that like if i have to go to it and i'm not feeling funny i'm just like <sighs> but now that i write my sets down i can just be funny for the time being and then get off stage you know mm -hmm. like now i have enough jokes to where i can just mail it in kind of i'm like oh, i don't really feel in the mood to do this but i know this is funny and i'm about to just say it and I'll be really monotone sometimes. Sometimes I'll say jokes in a really, really monotone manner without without selling any of it. Mm -hmm. And whatever laughs I get are I know are pure. And I'm just like, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it, and I'll get off stage and leave. You know. I, I see you do that a lot with your with yeah your ending joke. I was about mm -hmm. to say what's well I guess yeah you're, yeah you're, I don't even know what joke you're talking about. No 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 no. no I mean like when you get off stage, you'll you'll often like just say the punchline very dryly mm -hmm. like not trying to sell it and you won't even say all right bye everyone i'm one you'll just you'll just get off oh yeah sometimes i'll just put the mic in the and silent leave yeah i like i like i like different exit strategies what's your like favorite that. exit strategy i don't i don't have a good one i don't have a good entrance or exit i think you have a good e entry the, you you come in you come in smooth it's, it's i don't like, think so at all ever never you know what do you mean I you may not like, feel that I from your perspective I get up there and I always go like, "Hey, hello, hi, I'm my hello." That's funny. I, uh, I hello. That's like that's like a thing. That I, that's like a persona. That that's hilarious. I guess so. It almost like tunes them into me, but it's yeah. Like it laughs while I'm doing that. <laughs> to, just... I laugh. I, I, I but again, I I laugh at the whole the whole embodiment of the comedian. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just the jokes. It's like the whole person that goes with it. Like, are they quirky? Like, I love quirky comedy. I, I, I like. I, I think I do enough serious comedy to where I don't I'm not really looking for that <laughs> like I'm looking for all the comedy outside of my type of comedy pretty much 
So I love like the quirky comedy. I love nerdy comedy where they're just saying a bunch of words and and using analogies that I don't know about. Like I love that type of stuff. Um, I, I, I love all different types of comedy and, and everything that goes around that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. That's great. We, yeah, man. We are about at the end of the hour. Heck yeah. Um, do you have anything you'd like to say? I'd like to say that you are a, a very good aspiring comedian who has a, who shows a lot of who shows a lot of talent and a lot of upside and i think that consistency is your greatest your greatest tool i think if you tap into your consistency you you can be like serious like you're you you have the right setups you have the right composure on stage I think you have the right empathy too. Like you, you care about the the craft of comedy, and you care about the people who hear your jokes, which is very important for um, someone who's who's trying to build their art to you know to make it. So I think you have a lot of ability, and you should definitely continue to keep doing comedy, man. It's good. It's good every time I see you, and you genuinely make me laugh. There's not that many people who actually make me laugh. Thank you so much. And, yeah, man, absolutely. And again, you're literally maybe my favorite comedian in portland shoot and <laughs> and I, I don't know you're just you're always getting better you've been amazing since the first time i saw you thank Actually, you the, you were i think you're the first damn this leads me to another question i have that i'm not gonna ask you, you uh, like to get it in no i don't it's it's too long okay but you were i think the first comedian i i ever talked to on the scene wow i don't know if you remember do you remember at all? maybe where were we at where we're at we're at Schmitz Pizza. Schmitz Pizza. Yep, we record each other's sets. Yeah. Yep, I, I came remember to you that. and I was like, "This is so embarrassing." Yeah, you're like, "Can like... you record my set?" I was like, "I got you. I yeah. got you. I took care of you, man." Yeah. And you recorded my set. Actually, that mm-hmm. set that you recorded is one of my favorite grainy bar videos. That was because that you recording me was I. I met I. I, uh, I said hi to Zane Thomas, which is also a really cool dude who interviewed me on his radio station, mm-hmm. but the. Your video that you recorded of me was the first time I met him. I was like, there's a dude with a cooler afro in here than me. What the <laughs> heck? Yeah, yeah, I remember. And I, I gave him a handshake. I was like, shout out to the dude with the cooler afro than me. Um, and so that was the first time I ever even acknowledged him, saw him anything. Mm-hmm. And that and we're cool. So that whole, that whole lexicon, that moment was dope in itself. That's awesome. Yeah. That's sweet. Universe. All right, we're getting out of here. Thank you so much for filling two hours. I can't believe you. We've gone through again like ten percent of my questions. <laughs> and you Easy money. Two hours. I'm gonna have you on again if you if you'll if you. Heck help. yes. Thank you very much for being here. We're gonna get out. Any any last last things before? I... My name is Juan Denmark. J U A N D E N M A R K. I love each and every one of you. Yeah.